it's Mardi Gras, and this is the Gator Tea Mardi Gras podcast episode. Today, we have a guest speaker and a couple of student interviews. Here we go. Good morning, Gators, and here are today's podcast announcements. Leap testing is March 31st through April 2nd and April 7th through 9th. Spring break starts immediately after testing, and March 18th is an early dismissal day and the last club day of the year. Softball and track trials are coming up soon, so listen to the daily announcements for more information. And guys, start saving your money, because the Spring Book Fair will be held at the end of April, so get ready. Hello, my name is Dristy, and I am here with a guest speaker. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm TJ Woodard um, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Or I live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, originally from Bossier City, Louisiana, and I am a pharmacist, and uh, I own two pharmacies in Baton Rouge, Prescriptions to Go, um, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, so, you know, it's the Mardi Gras season, and everyone's going to parades and everything, so... Um, I've been told that you practice a very special tradition. Could you tell us a little bit about it? I do. Uh, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying um, I am not originally from South Louisiana or the Acadiana area. Uh, I married someone from uh, from Ville Platte, uh, whose family is, is steeped in, in the rich Cajun uh, history and traditions. Her dad actually uh, makes gumbo, I'm sorry, rue for a living, uh, carries rue pigstand barbecue sauce. So uh, needless to say, it was quite an adjustment from um, someone from North Louisiana to, to come down here. But yeah. since then, I, I think I've, I've embraced it. And in uh, one of the, the traditions that, that we practice um, every year uh, is, is the traditional Cajun Mardi Gras. Uh, it's the one, the particular run that we make is in, is in Mamou, Louisiana. Uh, we, we like to say it's the it's the mo- most traditional in, in the, uh, I don't know if it's the oldest, but it's, we like to say it's the, it's the truest form of the, the traditional Cajun Mardi Gras. Interesting. So it, it's called Career de Mardi Gras, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it's, uh, I guess the, the most distinguishing difference from the, you know, what we think of in the New Orleans parades and the floats and the beads. And um, this, this is quite different than that in that, uh, we ride horseback. You have to be in costume. You have to have your face covered at all times. Uh, and the and the premise behind it is that it, it's essentially making fun of the old traditional French hierarchy and and the noble people. Um, and it's essentially poking fun at them that we'll dress up and look like you know the, the important people or the clowns. And but the the background is that you travel from house to house or location to location, and you essentially bag or, or dance for ingredients to make a gumbo. Interesting. So could you tell us a little, a little history about Prairie de Mardi Gras, or as much as you know? Yeah, as much as I know. I mean, again, most of mine is secondhand. My father-in-law has been riding, uh, I would say, probably close to 50 years. I mean, he's ridden, uh, and then his dad rode before him. Uh, my, fam- my wife's uh, grandparents her dad's parents specifically, English was their second language. They, they spoke French primarily. Um, so this is just, again, their rich tradition. They didn't have a lot. They weren't wealthy people. 
this was their way of, of enjoying themselves and getting ready for the traditional Lenten season, um, the Catholic Lenten season. So that's essentially the background is that, you know, it's on Mardi Gras, which is French for Fat Tuesday. It's the day before Lent. It's when you get your last uh, little bit of fun and partying out before you you, you try to, you know, recenter your soul, uh, so to speak. So it's there's many ways of doing it again. And, and it's not to take away anything from the traditional New Orleans or, or the, you know, those parade based Mardi Gras. I've done those, too, and they're great. Uh, this is just for us and for our family. It. I don't know. It just means a lot. It's it's more of a family tradition that you know where everyone's going to be on on Mardi Gras, and it's in Mamou, Louisiana. Yeah, it's basically carrying out the tradition, and you know, a lot of people can participate in that tradition. Well, right, and it's you I mean you don't have to be born into it. It's not a club. You know, you don't um, have to be asked to join. Again, I'm a complete outsider, and I showed up. The reason I, I finally agreed to ride uh, is my father-in-law said about five years ago that it was going to be his last ride. So I, I made the commitment that I, you know, I want to do it once with him. Uh, he and I are very close. And it just happened to be that day. We actually thought it may be canceled because it was so cold. It was like, I don't know, 20 degrees and sleeting and snowing. And oh. um, yeah, so he and I were both kind of waiting for the other one to, to back out and neither of us did. And it was a very cold day, but it was, it was quite a lot of fun. So it's, you know, it's just, it's a, my kids go every year. Um, they love it. They, you know, they dress up. My mother-in-law makes all the costumes. So um, it's just, I, you know, my wife's family, her cousins ride her, um, her brother, you know, so it's, it's, it's more of a, you know, family tradition than it is a silly holiday. Um, so how long have you been, practicing this tradition? Uh, well, I mean, I've been, I first went to, to Mamu Mardi Gras. Um, there's actually like a Saturday street dance that's kind of a, it's more of just a party. Um, I went when I was a student at LSU in uh, maybe 2001. And um, this was before I knew my wife and uh, we probably were both there, but I just remember thinking, oh my God, what is going on? But this is awesome. So it cut to, uh, again, we've been married now for almost 13 years. And I, so I've been most years just to, if nothing else, just to watch as a, as a, an observer. Um, but I, I've been riding for, I, I think five years, four or five years. Um, and it, I mentioned to you earlier that I'm not a horseman and I don't ride a horse, uh, very often, actually probably once a year. And, um, <laughs> You know, I, I borrow a horse from my, my wife's cousin and uh, it's great. And I try to hang on for dear life and then I'm sore for a couple of months afterwards. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it must be very, very gruesome. Well, you know, it's, it is. And it, it's, you know, it's honestly, it's quite intimidating. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised that uh, more people don't get hurt than, than they do. You know, you have a couple of hundred people drinking and riding horses that don't always ride horses and you know what could possibly go wrong but um surprisingly it's it's uh we're all sore but typically no major injuries so well, that, that's the good part about it i guess right um so about how many people come and participate or to watch yeah you know i um this is just a complete guess but i would say uh you know on average maybe 
a couple hundred riders. I don't know, 150, 200, 250. Um, so, you know, the, the town, we all meet it. I think it's the Knights of Columbus Hall in, in downtown Mamu. Um, as you imagine, not a huge place, but uh, we get there. There's trailers, horses, everyone's loading up and it's the party starts early. Some For some people, the party's still going for the night before, but uh, we meet and you, and you go in and it's it's actually fairly structured. And I mentioned earlier that you don't have to be you know a member of a club or anything. You show up, you have to be 18. This one is considered the traditional Mardi Gras. So only they only allow male riders. Um, and so you, I think one of the, one of the common uh, themes is, is no pocket knives. And uh, you hear it screamed regularly throughout the morning meeting that this isn't a trail ride. So that's, <laughs> that's as a reminder that when we stop, um, you know, at our various points along the way, you're expected to get out and dance and interact with the crowd and, and, really make it a show uh i mean there's really not a lot of rules uh, you know listen to the, the capitans or the are the kind of the the directors of the ride they're to stay sober they have special capes that they wear that are traditional mardi gras colors they don't have to wear a mask on their face they have traditional cowboy hats on that's how you know who's in charge and they they do i mean they kind of keep everyone uh herd the cattle you know so to speak Okay, so, you know, they just direct everyone where to go, and they it's basically a big show where you just come in and enjoy. It is, and it's – so in, back to your question. In, in the morning, it's mostly riders, and there's also um, – you know, there's a tractor that pulls a trailer that someone who wants to participate but doesn't have a horse can. Um, and then along the way, there's, there's spectators, right? And so typically at the stops you make – I don't know how many stops we make, maybe – six, I, I don't know. Um, there's, it's at someone's house and it's in the countryside and there's people, a lot of people, just spectators and visitors and family. So at each stop, you probably have several hundred people that are just there for the party and to interact with the riders and, and um, to see the show. And so at every stop, the, you know, the big, you know, I guess, I guess what this is all centered around is that's where they release the chickens and you chase the chickens. Um, and everyone, well, the riders chase the chickens, right? And there's, yeah. and it's essentially a contest. So there's always who caught the most chickens right. and who was the it's pushing and shoving. And yeah, I mean, look, there's um, people are intense about. Uh, I, I'm, I would say I'm more of a, I participate, but I'm less aggressive than some. I mean, right. I've seen people climb trees, climb houses, get on roofs. Um, the year I told you it was so cold. The first stop we made, one of the chickens ran into a rice field and. You know, there were swan dives into the rice field when it was like 20 degrees outside. So, yeah, but then the, the, the biggest scene, I guess, is probably four or five o'clock in the afternoon after we've made our ride. I, again, I have no idea how far it is, 10 miles, 20 miles. I really don't know. Um, but we ride into back into the town center of Mamu and it's there, I would say, several hundreds of people, maybe a couple of thousand that kind of line the streets and um, just to see the kind of the show of all the riders coming in. And then, you know, there's a, we dance. Yeah. yeah. So um, if I've heard correct, this chicken that you, the amount of chicken that you catch is used to make the roux after you. Yeah. It's, you know, um, the, well, a couple of distinguishing points. So again, my father-in-law makes roux for a living, carries roux and he, always donates root to, uh, so when you, one of the best things is when you get back and you're completely exhausted and 
all we have for lunch is boudin and boiled eggs. So you're, you know, it's, it's, uh, by the time you get back to town, it's been a very long day. And, uh, one of the, you know, nice things is a hot pot of gumbo that's, that's ready for everyone. You know, whether they use the chickens we catch for the actual gumbo or not, I, I don't know that, um, that, that was the tradition though. That as, and, and it wasn't just chicken. So you would get the ingredients. So you would get onions and, you know, you would yeah. get the roux and you would get the chickens and that sort of thing, the rice for the, for the pot. So, um, yes, there is still a huge gumbo that's again at the Knights of Columbus hall where we start. And it's, it's kind of the, uh, you know, the, the cherry on, on top at the end of yeah. a long day. Yeah. So, um, for the roux that y'all eat at the, at the end, um, I, you know, you go to different houses and ask for perishables. So out of, out of that, uh, what is the strangest thing you've ever received when you went to go ask for Um, well, there's, I guess it's, um, it's more of a, again, traditionally the, the, the idea is that you go and you ask or you beg for ingredients. Um, I personally haven't, haven't gotten anything terribly strange. I mean, I know, you know, what's funny is they, it's more of a release of, of, uh, and, and look, one of the things that they kind of focus on the, the Capitans that I mentioned that, you know, don't hurt the animals, right? There's kids out there and don't, don't, you know, we're not here to mutilate or destroy an animal, whether it ends up in a pot or not, but they release different animals that are kind of unique. So one of the more unique is a grease pig, right? So they release a little pig that's covered in some sort of, I don't know if it's Vaseline or something, and it is very tough to catch. So, um, you know, there's a there's a, a bird called a guinea that's like a chicken but bigger and much faster. So, um, you know, it's just typically it's a chicken, and they're not easy to catch, but it's they're easier to catch than a guinea. I mean, sometimes those, they're yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically the people that you go to ask for perishables, they just give you – like the onions and the spices and everything like that. Yeah, I mean that's the idea behind it. Um, is you get the the ingredients. Again, I as I'm more of a passive rider. I don't. Yeah. Um, I have caught a chicken. I, I think I caught two last year, and that was yeah. more uh, right place, right time, and, uh, and more strategy involved <laughs> than than uh, sheer aggression and want to catch a chicken. But yeah, it's it, and typically you stop. The, the ride goes, it alternates years and it takes one of two routes. So typically, depending on the route you take, you kind of stop at at, similar, at the same place usually every year. So those folks are more involved with keeping the tradition alive. And yeah, I would say probably all of the ingredients are donated uh, somehow. It's not, I don't know that it's really a moneymaker for anyone. It's more, I mean, I forget the fee. It's, it's really, it's really low. I mean, maybe 40 bucks, 30 bucks. Oh, wow. okay. So when catching the chicken, how many, about how many times do you think you've been pecked by it or uh, bitten? Pe- pecked and bitten less so than, than uh, scratched. It's, um, I mean, as you imagine, this chicken probably is running for its life, right? So um, chickens have very sharp claws. I, oh, yeah. I, I think they've probably released uh, a rooster. I don't remember ever seeing one, but they can have some, some pretty, uh, sharp and fierce claws that it's more of a concern of getting scratched. I, I haven't, uh, again, I don't, I'm not one of the, uh, the leaders in checking, <laughs> catching chickens every year, but the, the couple of that I've caught, uh, was fairly benign. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you wear these outfits when catching on the horses. Mm-hmm. 
do the outfits have any significance to the chickens or the tradition? Typical. I mean, typically, yes. Right. So the 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 idea is it's catch the chicken. So a lot of the costumes you'll see are um, have chickens or have you know pictures of riders on uh, you know in costume. I would say for the most part, they're either centered around the traditional Mardi Gras colors, something relating to Acadiana or South Louisiana, or catching a chicken of some sort. My, again, my mother-in-law um, makes all of ours, and there's typically a, a chicken theme. And yeah. it's, I mean, I have one costume that I've that I've worn that's just uh, like, it's yellow with red peppers. But then, you know, you have to have uh, some sort of a hat most where it's called a capuchon that sits on top of your head. Um, it, it's, it kind of is to make fun of, again, the French noble people that wore these over the top outfits. I have like a little top hat or kind of a Indiana Jones looking hat that we have a chicken sitting on eggs on top of it. Oh, so, wow. yeah, I mean, it's, but it, look, it really, there's no really rules on what you're, mm-hmm. you just have to be in costume. You have to be covered and your face has to be covered. So, yeah. There's, um, I mean, some people, there's one guy that you've seen lately that wears like a pink muumuu and a face that looks like a grandmother, which is quite unique. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, as you said you're, before, your mother-in-law makes all your outfits. Um, so, is there like a, a typical like store that other people get their outfits from or they just make it on their own? You know, um, there are. I have some friends that have, have purchased outfit and outfits from... Most of them are made, you know, I don't, I don't think you can go to like, I don't know of any Mardi Gras store that makes, it's typically someone who's been doing it for years and does it out of their home. And it's, uh, this is more like the, the part-time seamstress, you know, it's not like a, the, the outfits are, I mean, we have some that are just a burlap bag that's sewn together. So it's, the outfit is, uh, ours are really good, but they're, they're less, it's it's less about the the quality of the outfit than it is just something unique being covered up and uh, participating. Participating, right? Okay. Um, so you know, of course, it must be very hard with a lot of people on horses and trying to catch chickens. Um, so, how many times have you been thrown off a horse or yeah, it's, trampled it's, by a horse? Luckily, not trampled, but um, <laughs> it's it's kind of a funny story. And I showed you a, a picture earlier. Um, I, I've only been thrown off the world that I know of one time. And it, it, uh, that was actually Anthony Bourdain actually filmed a part of his series at the Mamu Mardi Gras. And, and one of his, uh, production assistants, we had gotten to know him throughout the day. And one of the traditions again is standing up in your saddle and dancing some kind of show, you know, to add to the party. And it's a spectacle and show that you're, you know, coordinated and a good horseman. I'm, really not either of any of that, but, um, I have stood up on a horse. And, and so the guy asked if, if I knew anybody that could, or if I could, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, I can luckily I had a really short horse <laughs> and, uh, where am I, I made the mistake. And I told you earlier that, you know, horses are kind of pack animals. So at the end of the, of the, the stop, when it's time to go, once one horse leaves, they kind of all fall in line. And I waited until we were about to leave to, to stand up on my horse. And as soon as I stood up, the horse decided to go and I made a uh, not so graceful dismount, but I wasn't hurt. And uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, the producer laughed once he realized I was okay. We all laughed about it and he offered to, to cut it from the, 
the show. And I said, no, I mean, this is it. This is a, you know, a Yankee from North Louisiana that comes down here and tries to ride a horse. And this is what happened. So the, the most humiliating part was that it happened right in front of my father-in-law, who's quite, quite a good horseman, but uh, it was all in good fun. And we, we still yeah. laugh about it. So, well, thank you for telling me about Corey de Mario. It was very fun hearing all these traditions and backstories. And if you have anything else to say about to our listeners. No, I, I think we covered most of it. It's, it's quite a show. And if you, if you haven't seen it, it should be a, uh, it should be a bucket list item. So it's definitely one of mine. Thank Very you. good. Thank you. Hi, my name is Eve Cato. I'm in sixth grade and I currently go to Glasgow Middle School. Okay, Eve. So what are, are there any particular traditions that you celebrate during Mardi Gras? So there's this parade. It's called the South Downs Parade and it comes right down my street. And we set up a party. We invite multiple people and we basically just ask them to bring food and we eat and we celebrate. And I have this trampoline in my backyard and we all jump on it at the end of the parade and put beads on it and it gets really crazy. Oh, wow. Okay, so do you go to any parades in Baton Rouge or outside? Um, I um, I go to the Spanish Town Parade and I go to multiple small parades. And the other day, I just went to a Mid City Parade and it was really nice. It's been growing for a very long time, and yeah. Okay, uh, which was your favorite parade that you've ever been to? Or my favorite to parade to? is probably the South Downs Parade because I've like grown up with it. Yeah, yeah, th- those are really good. Um. Is there any particular type of bead that you always try to catch or look out for? Um, there's just one particular bead that they throw at the Mardi Gras parade, and they only have, like, five of them. So I always try to catch it. It's this black bead, and it has the um, the symbol of the parade, like, the theme. Yeah. And I have five of them, and they're oh, all wow. hanging up on my wall. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, do you look out for, like, toys or, like, balls or anything? <laughs> um, so... About last year, I invited my friend over, and I saw this, like, huge stuffed animal on the float, and I started screaming on the top of my lungs, and this guy threw it at the last minute. My friend caught it. I'm like, hey, that's mine, and he's like, oh, okay, so he gave it to me. <laughs> oh, wow. That's wild. Um, okay, so if you could ever design a float, what would it you know, look like? Would it be based on? I think it would, in my opinion, I think um, it would be, like, a space theme. I would like it to look, like, really dark, but I want, like, neon stuff everywhere right yeah okay um do you have any stories or anything that you want to tell about mardi gras um well i recommend a bunch of people to go to a south downs parade because it's really fun you could stay in anywhere along the route and it starts at glasgow so you can come to glasgow around like seven that's where all the floats begin so you can look at them and talk to people and ask about the parade oh wow. okay well thank you very much for letting us know your intake on mardi gras all right you're welcome Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesdays, it's also known as the Christian feasting period before the start of Lent or at, or Ash Wednesday. French-Canadian explorer Pierre Le Moyne de Iverville arrived in what is now modern-day Mobile, Alabama, on Fat Tuesday, 1699. It, he named the location Pont de Mardi Gras and threw a little party. That was the origins of Mardi Gras in the South. New Orleans was established in 1718 by Biendo, and by the 1730s, Mardi Gras was celebrated openly in New Orleans, but not with the parades that we know today. In the early 1740s, Louisiana discovered the Marquise de Vaudreuil established elegant society balls, which became the model for Louisiana's Mardi Gras balls of today. The earliest reference to Mardi Gras carnival appears in 1781, report to the Spanish colonial governing body. That year, 
President's Bonavent and Mutual Aid Association was the first of hundreds of clubs and carnival associations formed in New Orleans. By the late 1830s, New Orleans held street processions of maskers with carriages and horseback riders to celebrate Mardi Gras. Dazzling torches, gaslight torches or flambeau lit the way for the cruise members and lent each event an exciting air of romance and festivity. In, eight, in 1856, Six young mobile natives formed the mystic crew of Comus, evoking John Milton's hero, Comus, to represent their organization. Comus brought magic and mystery to New Orleans with dazzling boats, known as hebo cars, and masked balls. Crew members remained anonymous. In 1870, Mardi Gras' second crew, the 12th Ninth Revelers, was formed. It was also the first recorded account of Mardi Gras thoroughs. Newspapers began to announce Mardi Gras events in advance, and they printed carnival editions with the graphies of papers. Fantastic float designs as they rolled after they rolled, of course. Themes and floats were always carefully guarded before procession. At first, these reproductions were small, and details could not be clearly seen. But be- beginning in 1886, with Proteus's pr- parade, visions of other worlds, these chromolithographs could be produced in full saturated color, doing justice to the float and costume designers of Carolina Bonacase and Charles Britton and B.A. Wickstrom. Each of these designers' work brought, was brought to life by the talented Parisian papier-mâché artist George Soleil, who for 40 years was responsible for creating all of Carnival's floats and procession outfits. In 1872 was the year of a group of businessmen invented the King of Carnival carnival rex to preside over the first daytime parade to honor the visiting russian grand duke alexis romanov the businessman introduced romanov's family colors purple green and gold as carnival's official colors purple stands for justice gold for power and green for faith this is also the mardi gras season that carnival's appropriatable theme if ever i cease to love was cemented due to the part of the duke's fondness for the tune the following year, floats began to be constructed entirely in New Orleans instead of France, culminating with Comus Magnificent. The missing links to Darwin's Origins of Species, which, in which an exotic papier-mâché animal costume served as the basis for Comus to mock both Darwin's theories and local officials, including Governor Harry Warmonth. In 1875, Governor Warmonth signed the Mardi Gras Act, making Fat Tuesday a legal holiday in, New or- in Louisiana, which it still is. Thank you for listening to our Mardi Gras episode of the Gator Tea. That's a wrap for today. Join us next time. Thank you.